to H-Town, from the Panhandle Plains to the Valley, and everywhere in between. This is the 5050 Podcast, powered by College Promoters USA. Join me, Hector Cano, as we cover the Texas high school club and college soccer landscape, along with an inside look at the college soccer recruiting scene. The 5050 Podcast is a platform about the people and for the people who are dedicated to the beautiful game. Here we go. It's another edition of the 5050 podcast powered by our proud partners, College Promoters USA. They are America's premier college prep program and high school student athlete marketing service since 1997. For those of you located in the San Antonio area, you can find them here locally in the Ventura Plaza Shopping Center, but you can also find them on social media on Twitter at SATX Recruiting, as well as on Instagram at College Promoters USA. And you can also get more information on the many cool things they're doing and what they're about on their website at collegepromotersusa.com. My next guest, he is my uh, brother from another barber, as, as I like to call him, right? He is the, uh, we have some uh, Texas high school soccer coaching royalty here today. We have the winningest coach in Texas high school soccer history. He is the head men's soccer coach at El Paso del Valle High School, the Conquistadores, Coach Bruce Reichman. Coach, how are you? Doing well, Hector. It's been a been a minute since we last saw you here in El Paso. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, home, uh, home sweet home, my original home. Uh, definitely miss it, uh, but uh, excited. Anytime I can have some uh, some El Paso people around me, right? It's it's always a good day. That's what I like to say. So, we're uh, coach. We're excited to have you here. Obviously, you're coming off of a uh, a very recent, uh, very big milestone, huge milestone that we're going to get to today. Um, but, uh, but before we do that, just for some of us, maybe some who are tuning in for the first time and they've never heard, maybe they've never heard of, um, the Valle high school out in El Paso. Maybe they've never heard of coach Bruce Reichman. Just tell us briefly, maybe some of the places, obviously we know you've been at Del Valle for a while, but, uh, tell us some of the places you've been and how you arrived at Del Valle and how long you've been there. Well, I've been teaching now for 41 years and, uh, 37 of them are at Del Valle since it opened in 1987. Um, those of you that have competed against me understand that I don't come from a soccer background. I'm, I'm a football background guy. And they needed somebody back in 87 to coach soccer. And I drew the short straw. And you know what? I fell in love with the sport from, from the first time I was out there. I saw the passion. You know, you're from El Paso, you know, the passion that they right. have here for soccer. And it was just a, a great opportunity for me to take over a program and um, and make a go of it. So a lot of videotapes, a lot of books, uh, a lot of talking to coaches, um, Texas Association of Soccer Coaches, their clinics uh, helped me immensely. Um, and just surrounding myself with, with good people uh, have helped me learn the game and understand it a lot more. Uh, it's just been a fun ride. Yeah. Yeah. 1987. That's when Del Valle opened. Actually, I did not know that. I, for some reason I thought it was 90, 91, 92, somewhere in there. No, it was 87. We opened the doors in the fall of 87. Was it really? Wow. Hey, I learned something today too. So, <laughs> um, so 87, talk to us. How in your evolution, right? You, uh, I know you jokingly say you're, you're joking and not joking, right? You, you drew the short straw. You end up as a soccer coach, but talk about your evolution along, along the way as uh, as it pertains to the sport of soccer. Well, it was tough, Hector. I, you know, I'd, I've always been under the impression that in order to successfully coach a sport, that you have to play a level higher than your coaching. It uh, just gives you more background. So when they threw me into soccer, um, and it truly was a throw me into soccer, he just came out and he begged me to do him a favor, twisted my arm, and he said, we just need help this year. I promise I'll hire someone next year. Um, when they put me in there, I realized that I had to play. So I went to the all the little weekend leagues and the adult league around El Paso and tried to learn how to play and 
what well, position do you play? I said, I don't. I've never played before in my life. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, where do you put everyone that says they can't play soccer? As a goalie. And that was probably the best position they can put me at because I was able to see the whole game from from mm -hmm. the back and see how the plays develop and things like right. that. So uh, that within itself was invaluable to my learning the game. And then once again, with um, books, videos, that shows you how long ago it was, videotapes, uh, <laughs> and uh, picked up the game. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's, I agree. That's a great position to start at with, uh, with Ed in goal for sure. So, um, talk to us. So recently you won your 700th, 700th career victory. Um, tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Just in terms of one, were you even aware? Did you know, had it been built up? Did they surprise you with it? Were you tracking that? And I mean, how, uh, how fast has that gone? It's, it was pretty funny. We were, um, we're on the website. We're trying to enter some academic all-state people, and we passed through the coaching records. And I was joking with someone that you're familiar with, Stephanie Sasso, our women's coach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I said, "Look, we're over here. You know, I may hit 700 wins this year." And she said, "No, you've already won six games. You're at 700 wins." She said, "I'm <laughs> going to blast this on social media." I said, "No, no, 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 no. Wait until the end of the season." Wait, no, 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 this is a big milestone. And she right, right. went ahead and blasted it all over the place. So um, that's how it came up. So it actually passed before we knew we hit it. Yeah. And, uh, and it's not, you know, I'd like to say, you know, hey, that's, that's all me, but it's not. You know, there's thousands of kids that have gone through my program and stuck with it. Um, they're the pioneers because they're the early days that I really wasn't up to speed on soccer and um, just year after year, I, I felt that I educated myself and made sure I got the proper education to make sure we get the best out of the kids. And they did, you know, just the wins just started to come and became more and more fun uh, as the wins came. And, you know, these early, early athletes that were in there uh, with me of, you know, that this is their record. You know, I just, my name's up there as the title guy, but th this is all them. Yeah. And the old, the old <laughs> saying where uh, athletes win the games and coaches lose them. Now, you want to talk about the 194 losses I have? We can talk <laughs> about those all day long because I'll own those. <laughs> yeah, 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 you ain't lying. Um, but, you know, truth be told, that's kind of what I would expect you to say, to be honest, just knowing that you're, you're humble, humble in victory. But, you know, but we got to say, obviously – a big part of that, this, as, I mean, you kind of alluded to it here, is that those 700 victories, they are, I mean, yeah, your name is attached to them, but they're, they're program victories as well. But this means it's about more than just what it means to you, right? It's what it means to the program. It's what it means to the community and, um, you know, the that process, that culture, right, that has evolved there at Del Valle where – it's, I mean, it's a staple, right? You play soccer at Del Valle. You're known as, as being one of the, you know, elite, elite athletes, not only in the lower Valley, but across, you know, across the, the 915 and in West Texas regionally. Um, talk, talk a little bit about that in terms of how you've been able to stay, you know, pro establish that culture and how, what at, what that means along with these 700 wins to the program and the community. Well, 37 years ago, I was young and energetic and, you know, just, you know, wanted to get this program right. And I, I took a lot of my old school teaching and I've learned from some of my old coaches um, and picked out the things that I liked that I thought would would help, which mainly was the, the discipline and the commitment and things like that with the program. And and I kept selling it to the kids and, and promised them, hey, if you, you know, buy into the program, buy into what we're telling you, if you, you know, commit yourself wholly to the program, you know, no matter what, you know, put the program first when it comes, mm -hmm. that good things will come. Yeah. And, you know, it made sense to some of the kids then. I don't know if it makes sense to the kids now, but <laughs> back then in, you know, the old school days, it, it really made sense to them. 
and they bought into it and they, you know, there's so much community pride, right? Like their school pride, community pride, you know, back in the mid late eighties and early nineties. Um, and then with open enrollment and things like that, that took place and we get, you know, ton of transfer students, mm -hmm. uh, you don't have that as much anymore, but I think the, the program success and the, the kids that are still in the community and, and the support, you know, a lot of these kids that I coach now, their parents played for me back in those days. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I've now, been yeah. a while. <laughs> <laughs> now you've been, obviously you've been in a, in a position to see this evolve on multiple fronts. Do you feel like that's changed in terms of, obviously you alluded to it a little bit just right now, but do you feel like it's drastically changed in terms of the, the community pride, the school pride, the generational wanting to play at this particular school, how obviously it's changed, but how much has it changed in your per beyond? This is beyond Del Valle. Of course, we're talking just, you know, maybe across the area, across the, uh, or maybe in a, even across the state. Do you feel like that's changed dramatically? Yeah, I think the, um, I think the clubs, I think the academies that, that are coming in now and either taking players or giving players back. I think that, you know, that has moved it around a little bit. It's not so much, hey, this is your community. You know, now it's more of a citywide thing. And, and yes, you know, people look and say, hey, I want to play for Dovai. I've, I've looked up their history or I want to play for this school or that school because of the, the tradition that that school has. Um, and, you know, we get kids like that, the transfers in there. But. It goes back to, you know, is their heart really there in that right, right. neighborhood? And, you know, they drive in and then they drive out and go back to where they're really from. You know? so, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's it's been OK. You know, as long as the ones that come in there are committed and they, you know, they want to dedicate themselves and they buy into our program, uh, they, they've all helped out. Yeah. It's been real good for yeah. us. Good, good. So, you know, we talk about briefly, we're going to talk more about the current season right now. And you're right in the middle of district play, kind of got a unique district play format as well. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But, you know, we look back when you assess last year, even though you're in the middle of this season, but when you assess last year going into this season and maybe up to this point, do you, when you look back at last year, you know, last year, obviously you were district champs, you were a regional semifinalist. What was maybe the one big takeaway that you felt was kind of the the launching pad for this year that you're kind of maybe starting to see come to fruition right now? Um, well, I haven't really seen it gel the way I thought I'd see it gel yet. <laughs> but the biggest thing we took away from there is because of the kids that we, the athletes we attract to Delvi, we don't have the the six-two, you know, hundred ninety-five pound guy that can that can run a four-five or a four-four. You know, our kids just aren't built structurally like that. So we have to try to stay away from the physicality of the game and be more finesse, touch, move, touch, move. Um, and the pride gets in their way sometimes, and they they want to body up with some of these guys that. We just can't body up with, you know, I can't have a five, six athlete go up against a six, two athlete coming down the middle of the field. It just doesn't, doesn't turn into a good thing for us. <laughs> and um, so we got into the weight room a whole bunch uh, this year. Well, the end of last year and this year, uh, trying to get some of that strength. So if they are put into a situation where they do have to body up with these guys, they're actually able to. They're prepared. Good, good, good. So, you know, let's talk District Two Five A here. So, obviously, as you know, it's a it's a district I'm I'm very familiar with personally as well as uh, I was able to coach at. Uh, I was I was there for two years coaching at uh, your lovely rival school down the road in uh, Isleta. Don't say um, it. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, but District Two Five A just for listeners across the state. Give them, give them a little bit more, shine, shine some light on 25A a little bit on just the grind that is that district. 
okay, well, the grind, it used to be this district. I mean, it, right, right. you know, we used to have 10 teams, nine teams, 11 teams, a couple years. Um, it's changed and, dramatically. It's changed. And dramatically. They were all solid, man. I mean, it yeah. was, it was a tough season and that prepared us for postseason play because every week, twice a week was, was a, a grind. There was no easy games. Um, through the years, schools moving up to 6A, down to 4A, uh, realignments, everything else, our district shrunk dramatically. Right. So like this year, there's six teams in our district. So we have to play three rounds. So we're playing each team three times this year, which is a grind anyway. <laughs> no matter who you're playing, to play them three times and try to win all three times is is tough. It's a grind. Yeah. Um, and the you know the 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 parity of the of the teams of these six teams in the district is is vast you know it, right right it's just you know mm-hmm. you know some yeah. the cream rises to the top and and the other ones and and we're really not getting um i guess the competition that we would like to see especially mm-hmm. this late in the season uh to prepare for postseason right yeah. So, you know, you're, so you currently, we look at, we look at your district play right now, this season, right now, you're, you're in second place. You're right behind, right behind Bel Air. And so, uh, so you know, hey, hey, that one's a little different. That one's, that one's, uh, I'm, I'm an alum, right? So that one, anytime I mention, anytime I mention that when you get this right here. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, um, all kidding aside, you know, they're, you know, we mentioned that you talked about the cream cream rising to the top and between you all and, and Bel Air, you know, we got, what is it? Three state titles, I believe, right. Just right there within the current district. Um, so you all are very familiar as far as making deep runs into the state playoffs, but what are your, the unique part that you just hit on is you're, you all are one of a handful of districts in the state where, you know, there's, there's six teams in the district, meaning you get five district games and you all have elected to play three times, right? Talk talk to us about that so far in terms of what you are learning about, about that process. Okay. Uh, let's set it straight. We didn't elect to do that. We were told we were going to do that. Okay. The other <laughs> districts were all full, filled and we didn't have room in the right. schedule to move it around. Um, but to play it three times, I think that, helps you know you're always trying to teach the kids and show the kids um what it's going to take to to win and be successful so to play a team three times you know that's where mental toughness teaching comes in to make sure they're up for it doesn't matter if you beat this team you know the first round we played them you know five to one eight to one seven to one whatever doesn't matter what the score was then when you play them the second time they're a little more familiar with them and if right. you did embarrass them in that game, they're not going to let it happen twice. And now you have to get these kids up for it when they're all saying, ah, they're easy. We beat them, you know, eight nothing this game. He said, yeah, but, you know, this is a new round. You, mm-hmm. you got to be prepared for it. And these are yeah. things that, you know, when we look at our film, we see where we're vulnerable at and where we're, you know, suspect to a counter or suspect to, you know, weak spot in, in one of our lines. And we have to figure out how to tighten that up for the next time we play them, thinking that the other coach is looking at the same film and they're saying, hey, they're weak here. We need to attack this guy. Right. We need to attack this line. Right. So, it, yeah. it, you know, the mental toughness and self-discipline, things like that start to come into play there. And, and that, that's a challenge this year to get these yeah. kids up for games that quick because, you know, what it's – a two and a half week thing where you have to replay the team. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you feel, so you talked about the, the discipline and the mental toughness. Do you feel those two will be this particular type of district play format? Will it kind of, will, will those become the staples that help prepare you for the state playoffs come later in March? Or can you identify anything else that where this particular type of schedule will prepare you? or you feel might prepare you better. Yeah. I like more of a variety. We can play different types of teams because you see more, you know, you just see more. Um, the style is play of speed of, 
you know, are they going to bang you or are they going to touch around you or, and what they're going to play or the style they're going to play, the formation they're going to play instead of seeing the same teams over and over and over and over again. And I will tell you, you know, every time uh, that school that you graduated from, that <laughs> Bel-Air school. Um, <laughs> Don't be afraid to say, shout it out, shout it out, Coach. Don't be afraid. Every time we play them, uh, both Coach Delgado and, and I sit there and talk, and, and we learn from those games. Yeah. We, we learn a lot, and that's, you know, that's what we try to, to base us on and how we're going to move forward and progress right. forward. So we're right. coming up again Wednesday with them. And oh, uh, nice. I'm not going to let you ring the buzzer again. No, so gonna... <laughs> <laughs> no you're good. You're good. You're good. Um, so, yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that's a lot of great info, though. Right. That's a lot to process. That's a lot to reflect on as well. So that's kind of I'm intrigued by it, too, just because I I'm kind of kind of curious to see it's like wow they're going three rounds you know that's uh that's interesting that's interesting so i'll definitely have to pick your brain coach sazo's brain and some of the other coaches in that district after the season's over and just kind of and obviously i think you all can probably relay some information to the powers that be as far as a future district schedule maybe as well so because because this is what it's going to look like next year as well right right and i i think though the ad's at the central level are are looking at that as well. Right. And they're going to try to, to make sure that they all get together and look at the time frame a little bit better than they did this year. Cause they were trying to make changes right, right before the season, like in November, they were still saying, okay, do you think we could play this district? Or do you think we get a team from Midland to come in mm -hmm. or, you know, play out of district or out of town and everyone's schedule was full there, whether it was four, a five, a or six, a, yeah. Yeah. Everybody was already set, so we had no choice but to come back and, and play the three rounds just to get the games in, or we would play less games this year. And yeah. I didn't want to do that because the more you can play and the more you keep these kids competitive, the better off you'll you'll be. Right. Doesn't matter who you're playing, just as long as you you have that competitiveness. You put on the uniform, you mm -hmm. get out there and you you hit the field and, and get after it. Right. So. Right. So, all right, coach, next one, I'm going to put you on the spot here. So I, I've been asking this one kind of off and on of coaches, but finish, uh, finish this statement or finish this question. The 2023 season, uh, season for Valle Conquistadores will be a success. If, if we can keep our level of play to what we're capable of if that makes any sense, because again, like I said, with these kids, they look at it and they say, Oh, we beat them first round by this much. So we're going to go in there. And yeah, you're talking about kids of today. They're not going to play. You know, if they don't have to put a hundred percent on the field, they'll go out there and say, Hey, we could beat these teams playing 70% or 80%. And that's not going to cut it. So if we're going to be successful, every time we hit the field, we have to go at the hundred percent. And if the game gets out of hand, leave it to the coaches say, okay, hey, you know what? You can only shoot with your non-dominant foot. You know what? You need eight passes before you can take a shot on goal. Mm -hmm. What? Nothing inside the 18 yard box. Okay. Headers yeah. only, you know, so we can adjust the score of the game as not to, you know, humiliate the other teams and things like that, because right. you know, it's not good for kids to do that. So, you know, if we get up five, six goals, then we can control the tempo of the game, our bench in mm -hmm. there, our forwards go back to defense, defense goes up to forwards and have it. We'll never tell a kid not to score, but we can put the restrictions mm -hmm. on them to make it a little tougher on them. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned that, you know, it's kind of okay. Something I want to come back to is if the game gets out of hand, right? Recently, there's been a lot of discussion on that, right? A couple of uh, – couple of uh, unfavorable, not so classy results, right? Significantly, there are significant results, I should say. And so, you know, Bruce Reichman, right? The man and the coach, just you personally, what are your thoughts? There's been a lot of just, it's been coming up a lot lately in terms of, hey, maybe Texas, maybe UAL should consider a mercy, mercy. some sort of mercy rule, something in effect. What What are your, just your personal thoughts on that? Um. Again, I think it, it should be 
discussed. I think that should be more to the, I guess, discretion of the coaches or the refs, maybe during the game, maybe at halftime, you know, if it's 22 to nothing at halftime, you know, let the coaches talk and discuss it with the refs and then see, Hey, are we going to call it or, you know, what, what are we going to do? So I think it should be in there somewhere so it doesn't get out of hand. But again, I think if you can control the game and make it valuable for both teams, because you never want to lose minutes, you know, you, you, right. coach, you get, you, and you still coach, you get upset, you know, when you look at your watch and say, wait a minute, we're supposed to play 40 minute halves. That was only 38 minutes. And you get upset that you were, whether you're winning or losing, that you mm-hmm. lost some time there. So if you can make it valuable time and and more like, you know, if that team is is that weak or very weak, okay, then let's let's see if we can make it more of a practice force. You know, mm-hmm. one touch only. You know, so many passes right. before you shoot. Right. Non-dominant foot, this, that. You can you can make it uh to where it's still you get the time in there, the kids still go have a game, and they don't end up getting humiliated because that's that's the worst thing you can do to a high school kid no matter what level freshman senior it doesn't matter yeah. um, to put a score on them like that right you know? yeah yeah no I, I i agree i completely agree um so we start to kind of transition here a little bit coach how um we're going to talk about the sport as a whole as we've been we just obviously talked about but you get in your time, your time there, Del Valle, but maybe let's just look at maybe a more recent snapshot inside of the last five years or so. Um, how has, how has, how has Texas high school soccer changed in the last five years? Maybe one or two things that you can significantly identify that you've noticed. Oh, I think the I, most the thing that pops to my mind right away is the, the parody that's throughout the state right now. Um, because there are some times where, you know, the football coach would get thrown onto the soccer pitch and, okay, you're coaching this team, so he'd take the football players. So you'd have these big, strong, fast guys that didn't have men or a lot of eye-foot coordination and a lot of high, hand-eye coordination. So they were, there were games that were easy, but now you're getting these same big, strong, fast guys that have the foot-eye coordination and they're actually – developing into great soccer players. And um, again, clubs, academies, everything else that's coming around, giving these kids more opportunity to play. I think the parity of the players is, is just amazing right now. And I, I think that's one of the things that mm-hmm. is really on the positive side. Right. On the negative mm-hmm. side, um, I'm seeing and you know, I'm probably – being a little negative here, but on the, on that side of it, a lot of entitlement of these kids. Um, you know, they want the, they, I haven't seen a kid yet that goes out there and wants to lose a game. They all want to win it, but they don't want to put the, the effort into playing hard enough to win. You know, they feel entitled mm-hmm. because I'm this, because I'm that, because our club did this or our club did that. And they have to understand that club and high school are, still light years away from one another. Right. The one right. playing it at age level, you know, you 14s, you 16s, you 17s. And in high school, you're playing 17, 18 year olds. And some freshmen are actually on the pitch with these and the maturity, uh, their physical maturity is, yeah. you know, head over hands above the other. Right. So I right. think that entitlement on the negative side, on the positive side, of course, the, I guess the the teachings in soccer and, and the ability for these guys to be able to use their their eyes and feet instead of their eyes and hands. And I'm, you know, I grew up eye hand coordination. I I used to think I was a semi good athlete until I tried to play soccer, and I remember <laughs> how uncoordinated I was. Just, my feet and eyes just didn't connect like they should. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen I've seen plenty of great athletes get humbled on the soccer on the soccer pitch. Absolutely. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I have that argument all the time with the football coaches. They, yeah. I said, you know, I could take a football player and um, 
can't make him a soccer player, but I can take a soccer athlete and make him a great football player. It's no, 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 uh, uh, you can't do that. So, yeah, we can. I guarantee you we can. <laughs> just come uh, out there and try it one day. Yeah, I never actually thought about it that way. But, yeah, that's I can I, I have some personal examples that I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so now on the flip side, Coach, um, on the flip side here as we start kind of wrapping up, we, we talked about maybe what you've seen change, positive, negative. Um, doesn't have to be positive or negative. Uh, in the next five years, but we, we talked about those in the last five years, but now as you look, maybe forward, you look in, you know, Bruce Reichman looks into his own personal crystal ball. What do you foresee in your personal opinion, maybe in the next five years as some, some things that will impact the game or some changes that are headed uh, in terms of the game, Texas high school soccer. I, I think the, the research that's out there and everything else now, you know, I'm, I'm a big weights and conditioning guy. And I think the the old school thought still goes in there that you don't want your soccer players to lift because it's going to slow them down. They're going to get too bulky, this and that. And I think the with the research and the transformation and being able to sell um, a good weights and conditioning, injury prevention um, type of weight room work, I think that's going to really start changing the game. Um, you know, if you can strengthen those legs, you're not going to have those ACL tears. You're not going to have right. the hamstring pulls, this, that, those annoying injuries that that linger for a whole season, I think can be avoided with a good weight, weights and conditioning and injury prevention training program. And I think we're seeing some of the um, – Academies going to that, and some of the professional teams going to that, and I think us younger kids, high school, middle school, uh, colleges are starting to go to that as well, and I think yeah. that's going to help a lot. Now, on a separate note, maybe maybe you're not saying this is going to happen, but what is one thing? What's a personal one as it relates to the game that? if you know Bruce Reichman could have his way with Texas high school soccer, what's one thing you'd like to personally see change in the next five years? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I'd like to say the, the stipend for some of the high school coaches to make <laughs> yeah. it on the same level is, you know, it, it shouldn't be that a head coach in soccer gets paid less than a freshman football coach or an assistant basketball coach or something like that. You know, head coaches should make more than any of the assistants. Put aside offensive, defensive coordinators for football. But any of the assistants there, I, I think head coaches should make more than that. Whether that will come about or not in Texas, who knows. But right. I think that's something that would attract more coaches into Texas and, and wanting mm -hmm. to do it. Um, it's hard for me to say because we started out getting pennies. Yeah. Soccer yeah. back in 87. And, uh, and sometimes we coached both our teams for only one stipend. We did right. a varsity and a JV. And then we started a developmental team. And we did that free of charge. So, you know, a lot of the coaches back then uh, were in it for the love of the game, if you will. Um, and now, of course, we're money-driven. <laughs> right. So yeah. I, I think I'd like to see that change a little bit and yeah. get more um, parity with the with the stipends and the, the income that, that coaches make. Right. Well, and, you know, the, the interesting piece about that is – None of us, none of us got into this profession because of the money. We've clear, we've clearly, we clearly know that that's been established, right? But yeah, there is something to be said in terms of just the making it a little bit more competitive, making it a little bit more uh, commensurate with the responsibility, right? With the amount of time that is put into it. Um, I think, I think it would be shocking by just even other fellow faculty members when they really who may not really know what goes into it the time and uh, and it's not it doesn't just involve the the actual season 
right? I think that's the first I think that's the first common common misconception, right? Is that well, their season is only so long. They they only have to work during from this time to this time, <laughs> and nothing could be further from the truth, right? Well, it's year round. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, coach, this has been great. Uh, we're gonna keep you here. You're not gonna. We're not gonna let you run off. We're gonna keep you here for a second segment for counterattack. Um, so this way we'll get get to have the opportunity to have some fun with you. Ask you some random off the wall, some soccer and some non soccer questions. Uh, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Got it. Thank you. College Promoters USA, founded and located in San Antonio, operates as the only family-owned college recruiting company in Texas that brings a truly professional, local, and face-to-face approach to area high school student-athletes and their families. As the lead sponsor and proud supporter of the 5050 Podcast, alongside Coach Hector Cano, College Promoters is proud to be elevating its support for the college soccer recruiting process more than any other service in the country. If your son or daughter is serious about competing in college soccer, call College Promoters USA directly at 210-494-6363 or visit collegepromotersusa.com anytime. College Promoters USA, the best investment a parent can make in their high school student-athlete. All right, and we are back with Coach Bruce Reichman, the head men's soccer coach of the El Paso del Valle Conquistadores. Coach, it is that time for counterattack. Uh, are you ready? Yes, sir. All right, just want to keep you on ice there for just about one more minute. All right, uh, got to tell you about our good friends at Gipper. So in case you haven't heard, we've teamed up with Gipper for about seven months now, and we've been absolutely loving it. So Gipper is the way schools, athletic departments, ADs, and coaches create world-class marketing content. Join 2,500, over 2,500 coaches and ADs and use Gipper to create high-quality, visual-branded graphics for your program. The best part? Anyone can do it in seconds on any device without needing any design experience. So uh, even if you do have some, maybe you do have significant uh, experience on the graphics side, you know, they're, they're designed for the power user in mind as well. So they are hooking up listeners of the 5050 podcast. So... If you're a listener and you're interested, you can also now save money just for being a listener of the podcast. You can receive 10% off any first-time Gipper purchase. All you got to do is go to gipper.com slash partner slash 5050 to learn more. Again, that's gipper.com slash partner slash 5050. All right. It is about that time, Coach. The moment of truth. Have some fun with you. Here we go. All right. First one. Scale of one to ten, how good or bad of a driver are you? A one being the uh, DPS needs to re- uh, revoke your driver's license effective immediately. A ten is you are the uh, you are the gold standard. Well, it depends on what speed limit you're going. Uh, I do drive. My wife tells me all the time I'm a very aggressive driver, uh, but I'm safe. <laughs> so safe. I will say I am a seven or an eight. There we go. Okay. You know, I was telling, who was it? Um, I think a couple episodes back, I've been asking this question as of late. And I I was telling one of our coaches that it's like, Hey, I don't think I've ever had a coach on here who I asked this, who wasn't probably at least an eight. So the competitiveness in coaches comes out when I ask this question for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) All right. right, Next one. Um, Favorite TV show? Back uh, back in the day, maybe back in your youth or whenever, and current, if you have one. Wow. Um, I still watch a lot of the reruns from Two and a Half Men and the Big Bang Theory. I love those shows. Man. It's, yeah. it's just silly comedy that, you know, you don't have to think. You don't have to go deep in thought with. And after a tough day, you sit down and watch a couple episodes of that. And it kind of takes all the stress away from having to work yep. with. Is that Charlie Sheen, Two and a Half Men, or Ashton yes. Kutcher, Two and a Half Men? Charlie Sheen. Yes. Charlie Sheen, right. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. I can't. I just can't watch it with Ashton Kutcher. Ashton, right? I'm with yeah. you. <laughs> it's like I, it feels. It doesn't feel right for some reason. So, all right, next one. Um, uh, are you a, a sunrise or sunset guy? Which one are you? I am a sunrise. Um, I'm up at you know four four fifteen in the morning and. I just love that time of day. I get a lot of stuff done. It's quiet. 
no one bothers me and I can I, I like that. Right. Then by about nine, ten o'clock at night, I'm comatose. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, next one. Um movie gonna put you on the spot here. Movie you are ashamed to admit that you love. Wow. Gosh, I can't uh I can't think of one because if it's a if it's a movie like that, I usually just let the wife go see it. I don't I don't go with her. I let her have a girls' night out and go. Nothing. You don't got anything there. I can't. Maybe one that you let slip out in conversation one time. You're like, oh, uh, you know, I. I once I'm trying to remember the name of it. it was it once? Uh, I was with years ago with uh, Jane Fonda and Alan. Uh, Alden and all them. Uh, well, you got uh, me. You Golden, you and Pond, Jack- Golden Pond or something like that. Okay. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, right. you, got me, you got me stumped on that when you win Jane Fonda. I was like, hey, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. See, that's how old I am, dude. I've been around a little while. <laughs> hey, hey, I'll give you credit, man. You remembered. That's all that yeah. matters. I so. tried. I was exhausted <laughs> right. now. That's a lot of memory I had to come up with. <laughs> all right. Next one. Uh, that might be the hardest question I ask you all day, Coach. So Good, relax. All right. So, <laughs> something you wish you knew, or something maybe you wish you would have been advised about before you entered coaching. Um. Wow, I thought you said the last one was the hard question. This <laughs> one is. Uh, I I think on how to deal. Um, I think with parents better. I'm not a real good, mm. real good person to deal with when I have to deal with the parents. You know, it's, it's you know, I have my certain standards. Like I said, I have my old school mm. thoughts, and they come in with their Miho syndrome or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I mm. you know, it just drives me up a wall. They're not doing the kids any favors. So I think if I knew how to deal uh, with the parents better before i got into coaching i think i would have had a lot less stress (laughs) yeah yeah i think i mean i think you know what's interesting is i think any coach could attest to that right every probably every coach but i also think the uh the number of times that i've asked this question i don't know that a a single coach has actually mentioned that so that's a great one that's actually a really good one so great one so all right Favorite, this one was ruffles some feathers, and and you can't say your school, you can't say your team, right? So, favorite and least favorite soccer team could be any level, college, pro, usually pros, most people, but favorite and least favorite. Any level, I think um, at the college level, University of Indiana, you know the mm. Yagleys, it's the Yagleys, a, it's like yeah. family family business there. The dad had it, now the son has it, you know, and right. it's, they just rack up national championship after national championship but i do have a soft spot in my heart for uh notre dame back in the day when mike berticelli was their coach oh okay um you know he he was at a lot of clinics i went to and Mm -hmm. i used to work with him he was an excellent goalkeeping coach and of course tragically died years back in his office but um those two teams at the college level I think at the at the high school level, of course, go ahead and get your buzzer. I like I like <laughs> Bel Air. I like like Sergio. There we go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I, I like that one. And uh, pro level, and the only reason I think I really like them is I have a good friend that that actually played for them um, way 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 back. Um, is uh, Man U English mm. Premier League? Okay, yeah, I'm a I'm a Liverpool guy, so you will definitely not get the buzzer for that one. Okay, Coach. sorry. All right, sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you have a single least favorite team? Maybe just one that, like, really, you're just like, hey, I don't know why, but they just they get under my skin. I don't know why. Okay, that's easy. That's right there with my favorite. Get your buzzer, Bel Air. <laughs> I was about to say you can't say that one. <laughs> I can't say that. Yeah, but that's usually the same. That's usually the case, right? That's that's the uh, sign of a of a rival, right? That's the sign of a great yeah. rival, right? Yeah, so yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, 
All right. <laughs> Somehow I knew you were going to bring it back to that. So um, one thing, so we make an, a hypothetical here for you, right? So Bruce Reichman is made, is appointed the soccer czar in America. You're in charge of all of soccer in, in the country. What is one thing you'd change regarding soccer in America tomorrow? First thing, first change. First thing I would change is uh, I think the developmental levels with the U.S. national team. I, I think we're we're missing the boat there and, and getting some of these kids with the uh, fundamentals and the mindset uh, that it's going to take to to compete at the World Cup level. Um, so I just think we're we're a couple steps behind the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, when we start developing these kids in, in U.S. soccer. And, yeah. you know, I, I think we need some good coaches of that level and to bring these kids up to where, you know, we're a little more competitive. Right. Yeah, and, and I think some of that, some of that is also, it's directly linked, right, attributed to also the uh, the identification process, right? Because we have, if you don't play in a certain part of the country or for maybe a certain club, right, you're, you're going to get, you're going to be missed, right? There's a good chance you are going to be missed. I have never entirely subscribed to the, Hey, if you're good enough, they'll find you. Uh, I have never fully subscribed to that um, because we know there are stories and, uh, and a country our size, it just, I don't know. I, I think it's not impossible to uh, to miss great talent because maybe they can't afford to play for a certain club. Right. Maybe they can't afford, you know, they can't help where they're raised or where they were born, what part of the country, and they can't up and move and leave to a different part of the uh, different part of the country, right? So, so yeah, I mean that's a great one. That's a great point. Um, Soccer's not cheap to play right now. No, it used to no. be, <laughs> yeah. but now it's yeah. pretty costly. I think of when I when I think of that, I, I always come back to. So when I was doing, this was, I think, what, 20, 2013, maybe I think it was, I was doing my, uh, the national, the U.S. soccer national youth license. And one of my instructors there, he put it perfectly. He said, and I'll never forget it because we were right in the middle of talking. We were talking this very topic. And he talked about how he said that in this country, we've taken one of the least expensive sports on earth. And we've made it in this country. We've made it one of the most expensive Right. So, and I'll never, I'll never forget that to this day. Cause I had, even though you had seen it and you were witnessing it changing, I just had never heard it said out loud. And it was, it's so true. We it just, it's clear as day. I still hear it in my, still hear it in my head. So, all right, next one, who would play their, they are making a documentary they, or a movie, I should say on the life of Bruce Reichman, who would play you in a movie? Oh, have to be the rock. I mean, we look the same from the eyebrows up. (laughs) (laughs) He might be, he might be the number one. He might be the number one guy that's been referenced when I asked this this question, the rock. Yeah. We both look like him from the eyebrows up. Good deal. All right. (laughs) All right. (laughs) That's, that's a good one though. It's a good one. Um, A little bit more serious one here for you. So, you've had a chance to reflect all these years. Is there something, you know, definitively that if you would have not been a, a, an educator and a coach, you would have been what? Uh, probably a lawyer. I was real close to going to, to law school nice. after college. And um, one of the teachers I had a lot of respect for that was my actually a social studies teacher when I was growing up in Miami. Uh, he did that. He taught during the day, went to University of Miami Law School at night, and uh, I just thought, hey, that's, that's the way I'll do it. And actually, my roommate in college went ahead and went straight to law school after college, but I was, I was going to follow right there in his footsteps, wanted to, to do the same thing, but I did my student teaching, and, you know, I just, something about it just drug me into wanting to stay as a, as a teacher. I couldn't see myself sitting in an office all day, writing briefs or trying cases and this and that. I love being outside, love being coach, uh, you know, coaching, um, developing kids. I mean, it, it just, 
and it just called me for some reason. I stuck yeah. stuck to it. I would have been better off financially going the other route, but you know, <laughs> like like you said, we didn't get in it for the money. Right. And, you know, in the forty one years that I've been doing this, I haven't worked a day in my life, Hector. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's it's so spot on, Coach. Because I mean, that's I was just thinking that right when you said it, it's like we just mentioned it earlier in terms of stipends, and it's not about the pay, right? But it's um, it's about more than that. Mm -hmm. But the value that comes with that, uh, because yeah, this isn't to do this and to do this for as long as as you've been doing it, coaches. It really it's a you know it's a testament to the fact that this is not a, it's not a job, it's not even a career, it's a calling, right? It had you have to like eat sleep and breathe it right and uh and understand that because if not you're you're in the wrong business in yeah the business so yeah. all right next one here here's a super uh superpower question here for you coach invisible or mind reader if they could give you one which one would you take and why uh invisible with a say so what's going on or <laughs> <laughs> no i don't know just invisible or mind reader Okay, I I would have to go with the uh, the mind reader, and not only only because I would like to know what goes on in these kids' minds. Sometimes when you're looking at them, you know, 37 years ago when I first started coaching soccer at Delhi, I had this real confused look on my face, like, "What's going on out there? What are they doing?" And sometimes even today, like today was a perfect example at our game against your old school there. Uh, Watching them thinking, it's like we haven't coached them. What are they doing? Now? I had that same confused feeling about me, thinking, uh. what is going on in their head right now? What you know, what's causing them to do this? Yeah. And I think if I could be a mind reader, I'd be able to know that and be able to correct it before it yeah. was detrimental to yeah. our goal to win a game. <laughs> I'm laughing because so I had a. We wrapped up our district play on um, <clears throat> on Thursday, right? On Thursday. And I pr almost uttered those exact same words to my assistant. I was just like, hey, I said, coach, next year we are spending two weeks just doing nothing but crossing and finishing. That's like it's like it's like we didn't go over it at all this year. It's like yeah. we we have and we we do, but it's like it's the moment the whistle blows, it's like it's like, yeah, it's it's not part of the game, apparently. It's not part of the game, it's optional. Yeah. Welcome yeah. to the world of dealing with 14, 15, 16, and 17 yeah. year olds. You know, yeah. they, mm -hmm. attention span just doesn't carry into the game sometimes. Right, right. Yeah, so true. So true. So, all right. Um, next one, coach. So, this is actually going to be the last one here. So, um, kind of a reflection one as well, a little bit of a deep one, but you go, you go back, right? You go back to when you were, you were an athlete, your high school days and whatnot. Um, knowing what you know now and all the just the knowledge the experience that you've acquired over the years if you could go back right and coach you how would you have coached you back then knowing everything you know now Ooh, i think i probably would have thrown me off the team <laughs> you're not the first to say that you're i don't know if i was a real coachable person or not but you know i, I think i would have chosen different um a different sport maybe or or something else you know I, I i didn't realize that our high school team even had soccer you know it's just it was amazing and and like i said the way i fell in love with the sport when i started it because of the athleticism the the stamina the the quick thinking you know in coaching football we we're so robotic you know, we yeah. call a play and, and that's how it is where in soccer, these kids have to make up their own decisions in a split second. Yeah. You know, and it's very unpredictable what defense is going to come after them or what they have to do. So I, I just think that the all around um, soccer would be a pretty school, cool sport to, to play and, and learn. So I know that didn't really answer your question on how I would coach myself, but I'd probably tell myself, uh, you know what, why don't you go try soccer? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you'll right. listen to them better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's still some good advice, some good mentorship there. So awesome. So coach, this has been, uh, this has been phenomenal. We have loved um, 
finally able to get you on here. Glad we were able to do it after a significant milestone. Um, it's not every day that you have the uh, winningest coach in all of Texas high school soccer on uh, on your show. So grateful for you, grateful for your time, and also do want to congratulate you. I mean, you're fresh off the fresh off the sideline. Had a had a district big district game earlier today in a battle of the Lower Valley versus Isleta. Congratulations as well on your uh, on your victory. Thank you. Um, and uh, I know you're what tail end is he is he sled of the last game of the second round of district play or you got one more right we got one more that's yeah yeah that's and the then you start the third round yeah okay yeah yeah and then you got your third round so okay so interesting interesting I'll, I'll definitely have to come back and touch base with you on that and you can tell me what that's you know the lessons learned going into the state playoffs uh with this uh district schedule for sure so definitely interested to get your your feedback on that um so before we go, as we do, as is customary, we we wrap up our show with final thoughts. And since you are our, it can be any thank yous, shout outs, whatever's on your mind as it relates to the game, coach, anything, something that's been on your mind as of late in general. Uh, but we uh, we wrap up with final thoughts. And since you are our guest, the floor is yours. All right. I, I think the, you know, the thing with the final thoughts, since you and everyone brings up that 700 victory, are the the athletes that were pioneers to the program and uh, can't say enough about my assistant coaches. You know, I've had one that's been my assistant for, you know, over 25 years now and stuck to it. He was a player for me when he was a freshman in 87, when the school first opened, went off, bypassed medical school or dental school and decided he wanted to be a coach too. And we were able to hire him on and, He's been with us ever since, and he's been invaluable to me. And, um, you know, I can't say enough about about people like that that have that dedication and commitment to the program and are still it, there. It was that stipend pay that did it, Coach. It was that stipend I think pay. so. I think so. I think he realized he could make more as a soccer coach than he could as a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and uh, that's it. You know, I mean, the kids and hopefully any lessons that – that they've learned from me over the years that they take on and become productive and valuable citizens out there in the community. Mm -hmm. Great, great stuff. Great stuff. So thank you for that coach. Appreciate you. And, um, you know, my final thought really is I know we have a significant amount of, of athletes of soccer players across the state that are playing this weekend in the uh, Houston showcase, ECNL showcase, just wishing everybody the best of luck, uh, best best of luck in all of their showcase matches, but also just being aware of, we talk about periodization, but also load management and communicating with your coaches. Cause a lot of these, a lot of these athletes that are playing multiple games in Houston this weekend, they they're coming out of playing at least two high school games this past week. And then they're going to turn right back around and go into more training, high school training and high school games next week as well. So everybody more than anything, Communicate with your coaches. Something isn't feeling right. You need a little bit of downtime, load management, and uh, just be safe. The last thing, last thing we need, and the one thing we don't want is a just a multitude of injuries. So, wishing everybody the best of luck and that they come back safe and sound as they transition. You know, UAL Taps is about to start their state playoffs, and UAL is knocking on the door, and they'll be there in a couple of weeks as well. So, and I think what is that district certification for you all is the. March 21st coach. Is that right? 22nd, I think somewhere around there. The 20 second. Yeah. Somewhere in there. So, well, this has been great coach. Thank you. Thank you for being here again. Appreciate your time. Want to wish you, your program, everybody there, uh, even including coach Sazo tell, give coach Sazo a big, uh, big hug for me and a big, uh, you know, scratch on the head as well for me. Uh, <laughs> I, know, I know she'll appreciate that, but, uh, wishing you all, you and your boys coach the absolute best of luck this season, the rest of the way and into the state playoffs. So for our listeners, for our supporters, thank you again. In case you missed it earlier this week, we announced, uh, on inside Texas high school soccer, we announced, uh, a new partnership deal that we're doing with global, global scarves. We had, uh, Kyle Wall, one of the representatives for one of the key representatives for uh, Global Scarves on the show with us and announced our a partnership, something that we're very excited about in terms of being able to just further grow the game in terms of Texas high school soccer, because that's that's our mission. And a big you all are a big reason why you all, you all are the reason why we do it. So thank you for that. 
<clears throat> excuse me. Again, you can listen to the podcast as well on all audio on all audio podcast platforms, all major podcast platforms. You can also find us on YouTube. You can find us on Twitch. Go to Twitch now. That's the one. That's the newest uh, channel that we're trying to that are trying to grow. That's at fifty underscore fifty pod. You can also find us on social media uh, on Twitter at fifty underscore fifty pod, as well as on Instagram at fifty underscore fifty podcast. So. That's going to do it. Thank you again, Coach Bruce Reichman, for joining us today. I am Coach Hector Cano, and thank you to all our listeners and supporters. And until the next time, you know what to do. Keep downloading and keep listening. You've been listening to the 5050 Podcast, powered by College Promoters USA. Help us continue to grow by liking, rating, and subscribing on all major podcast platforms. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at 50 underscore 50 pod, on Instagram at 50 underscore 50 podcast, as well as on YouTube at the 50 underscore 50 podcast. Until the next time, keep downloading and keep listening.